Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 68. I'm Jackson, and today I'm gonna talk about how living things fight, and if you're experiencing anxiety, man, that holy discontentment to live differently, that's a good place to start. And I'm Brian, and I'm gonna talk about how actually prayer is the key to dealing with anxiety appropriately. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to episode 68 of Tangible Takeaways. Brian, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thanks, Jackson. Yeah. Glad to be here. Appreciate you taking the time, and I appreciate you um, just so faithfully, um, you know, ex- expositing God's Word this yeah, weekend and that. digging into it. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll kind of just kind of walk through, there's almost kind of three sections that um, the last two feel a little connected, but the first one just feels like okay. such a random, yeah. you know, one kind of thrown in there. So, um, so tell me like, as you were kind of diving into it, Paul's got this kind of very personal thing that he throws into his mm-hmm. letter here that, um, I, th- they show up occasionally, you know, in his letters. I think of like when he tells Timothy, like, oh, your stomach's been bugging you. Try drinking a right. little wine or like, he just throws in these like personal things that are about something that we could never really know what was right, going on the there. Or the actual situation. Yeah. In the church. Bring it up. Yeah. But his, the goal of it is that there's these two women who are not agreeing and they're in disagreement about something and he's calling them to live in unity. Right. Do we, when we come across something like that in Scripture, uh, especially in these New Testament letters, do we just kind of like chuck that out? Do we dismiss it because we can't understand the context? Right. Or is there something there that's still of value within the context of the letter for us yeah. to kind of pull yeah. out? I would say, I mean, it's an old, it's an old, maybe overly simplistic adage, right, within uh, Christianity and Christian circles, hermeneutics, that is the interpretation of Scripture. The idea that Scripture is written... Uh, for you, but not to you. Mm. And the idea being that it is written for you to look into, to see the context of what's been said, and, and there's there's such a vast amount of it, right, where it, um, we would say that this is one continuous inspired book. It's, it's not separated and disjointed in its goal or even in its purpose, but it speaks from many different angles, from many different um, perspectives, so to speak, like mm-hmm. even the four Gospels, right? There are four Gospels. Do they line up exactly perfectly? No. Mm-hmm. Do they misalign? No. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird thing of it was, it was written to a specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose, but it was written for all of the people of God to be able to receive the truths that are contained therein. And so we can, through study, through careful, and it's obviously harder as we remove ourselves by 3,000 years, 2,500 years, 2,000 years, so you know, so on. Yeah. What was written there, what was intended for the original audience, and therefore how do we then understand what's being said? When it comes to things like this where we don't have all the ins and outs of the actual disagreement, um, that really is neither here nor there, because I don't need to know the disagreement to know the command of which he's drawing from, mm. right? Because his, when, and I think you're talking about, right, Eodi and Syndicate, like yeah, where yeah, he yeah. says, hey, look, get along, like, come together a little yeah. bit. And he entreats, the word pleaded, I plead with you and I plead with Syndicate, 
Um, it's that entreat, meaning I, I really have a desire, not just a, I'm not telling you to do something because I don't care for you, but I'm pleading, I'm entreating you because I love you, mm. that you guys need to become of the same mind. Yeah. This is the very same thing we were talking about in chapter two. It's the same exact word that Paul uses about having in your relationships with Jesus Christ. So this is two verse five, um, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's the exact same word that he's saying to mm. Iori and Syndiki. He's all, I want you to do like this. Yeah. Because I already told everyone in the church, in Philippi, and therefore by extension for us to read and then glean truth from, I need you all to have the mindset of Jesus, the attitude of Jesus, which was humble, it was gentle, it was willing to be self-sacrificial. And so Iori and Syndiki, and even Syzicus and Clement, I need you all to take that perspective. Yeah. And so we don't need to know the context of the disagreement. We don't need to know what's going on there because we have these threads throughout talking about how God's design for his people is unity, getting along with gentleness. Even chapter one, if we go back even there, it talks about in chapter 127, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Yeah. And then he says, then whether I come and see you only or in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, mm. right? Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way. And he goes on to encourage them. So there's this thread of unity that we can definitely see, oh, that's what it's about. It's not about their disagreement. Yeah. And in some ways, it's almost very helpful through the great and vast wisdom of the Holy Spirit to not include, because we might get hung up on the disagreement yeah. and totally miss the point, mm. which is it doesn't matter the disagreement. Yeah. You still want to be that same mind, gentle spirit that is willing to try to draw near to others in the family rather than dividing over opinions. Yeah. So uh, that's how I would answer that. Yeah. You know, and that theme of unity is so clear, not only through the New Testament, but even in this letter. Right. We've talked so much about the um, constant theme of joy and this command to rejoice, but um, there is another theme there of unity that tracks throughout the whole letter. Um, so it it's almost feels like a, an example, similarly mm -hmm. to how um, he'll write about the person of Jesus and this kind of mindset that Jesus has that caused him to live a certain way. And then he looks at Timothy and he looks at Epaphroditus right. and he says, look at these guys. Yeah. These guys live with that same mindset. Yeah. And so this feels like kind of an example of that, the inverse of that unity right. theme that's been all throughout. Yeah, and I mean, it almost makes me wonder, Brian, if there's some impact of disunity to our joy as a community that if we live in a way that's not united, that it will make it more difficult for us to operate in that rejoicing mm -hmm. no matter the circumstance. Well, yeah, and think about that in any relationship that you have, right? If you're, if you're in disagreement and you're, um, whether it's husband-wife relationship with a boss at work, with someone at school that you, inter, you know, interact with, if there is disagreement, then there is, an, there is a weight and there's kind of just that elephant in the room, so to speak, of, okay, yeah, I know things aren't great right now. And that does not lend itself to living out joyfully or having kind of this, um, this weight lifted. That's why it's so fascinating that he, you know, he calls out Sisygus, yoke fellow, the one who's carrying a burden. Mm. As, like That's what his name means, mm. someone who carries the burden with you. 
it's someone who bears the weight of the work of the gospel with you in this context. And it's such a great thing, true companion, that's yeah. that idea. Because when any relationship, if you have this contention, even if it's minor, it's hard to rejoice. It almost feels fake if you try to rejoice. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, that's great, bro. You're all happy, but I know we got something going on here. Yeah. And it just feels fake. Yeah. And so this this is a real um, thing. I you know, the saying is I love you but but I don't like you. Yeah. I, I think that's a horrible saying. Yeah. I don't think that makes any sense. I don't think the goal is the goal is to love and like everyone that is in accordance with the way God designed and intended to do that, right? We're, if we are of one faith and of one mind, meaning after our Savior's mind, then, man, we should love and like everyone yeah. as much as possible and, and actually strive for that. Because if we are getting along um, and our opinions don't matter so much, and it's really not about, well, if you conform to me, then we'll be good. Yeah, It's really about, oh, man, I don't know if what I really am opinionated about matters as much. Mm. Because remember, these aren't doctrinal issues. These aren't things about who Jesus is, who God is, how the Holy Spirit works, any of that. Yeah. Paul would have definitely dealt with that. He would have definitely clarified that. He never had a problem dealing with false teaching or error. Yeah. He always addressed that. And if all. one of these people was promoting that, correct, he, he would not be, hey, you guys should get along. Yes. It's like that person he wouldn't has have no been part pleading. with us. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't have been pleading. He would yeah. have been commanding, yeah. like separate them. Yeah. So that they can be handed over, you know, maybe they'll return. There, There's instances like that in other books of the Bible, but I don't think that was the case here. And I don't think we have any reason to think that because yeah. I think Paul would have addressed that. Yeah. Clear. Like, because he just got done talking about enemies of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And then he turns and he says something totally different. Yeah. And he says, no, and everyone else who's written in the book of life, that affirmation statement of, I know you are his. Yeah. So start acting Live like, like his. It. Yeah, yeah. Start acting like his. Yeah. And I, and I almost think when we're living in division with other people, you think about, you know, that definition we've been using for joy, grace recognized, mm -hmm. right? When I'm in conflict with somebody, I really don't have any space mentally to recognize grace in my life right. because I'm actually too busy recognizing fault in my life. I'm recognizing the fault of other people because I'm blaming them for this thing or that right. thing when I'm in division. So it's when I'm in unity that it frees up that space to shift what we're recognizing, not just as individuals, but as a community yeah. is not what you did wrong or what I did wrong. But man, when we're in unity, it allows us to recognize God's grace to us right. as a group. Right. And the hinge, right? The hinge of it all is what is the unifying factor, even as you know, Pastor Todd mentioned, uh, throwing back to Pastor Tom, that unity is something we've been given. Mm -hmm. It's our job to maintain it, yeah. not our job to, to find it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's our job to maintain it. And it is this unifying reality that our righteousness, Paul's been talking about that all throughout Philippians, our righteousness comes from Christ. Yeah, It's not our righteousness, and therefore... Our righteousness or our opinions of how we should operate in a good way that is pleasing to God are not, um, if, if they don't coincide with the way Jesus saw things, which is very self-sacrificial and humble, then they're not righteousness at all. Mm. And so the unifying factor is this humility, which is expressed in righteousness, then that is what maintains this unity so well. Yeah. Um, and when you start to have divisions or, or, or opinions that rise to the surface of, I can't 
get along with you because yeah. you can't agree with this, man, that, that shows a lack of humility that will never play into the righteousness of Christ mm. because the righteousness of Christ was the very fact that he was sinless but yet chose to suffer the consequence of sin. Yeah. yeah and, you and talk about a, divisions. God had every reason to divide from us, right. but that's not the mindset that Christ took Correct. on. He yeah. came down. Yeah. He became like one of us. That's that's what that hymn is so important in chapter 2 to the yeah. whole book, because it really is this, this full-fledged display of Jesus taking on the form of man, lowly servant, and dying, but not only dying, but dying on a cross. Yeah. You know, that humiliation of Christ is the, the hinge upon which the unity of the body is built. Yeah. And man, Jesus did not need to express his opinions because he came to do the will of the Father. Mm. He expressed the Father's will. Yeah. But even when it came to defending himself before others that were trying to accuse him, and that last stance, he did not. Yeah. Right? He didn't. Yeah. He let it be. That isn't to say that, you know, we can ever die and save everyone. That's not our position. That was Christ alone. But we have to take on that same sort of mindset, which is yeah. what Paul's referring to, that same mindset, which is willing to self-sacrifice your your opinions, your views, your your health, all kinds of things yeah. for the sake of someone else. Yeah, if that Jesus is... co-equal with the Father, right. if he submitted himself, mm -hmm. then what excuse do we have to not Correct. submit our preferences, our opinions, our political views to the Father? Right. And, and the great news, too, is that we're not left to that on our own. Like, yeah. It's not our own welling up with our effort, it is God who works in us yeah. to do it. Yeah. And so there's this great joy in the fact that, man, I am not capable, but God is. Mm. And he, he chooses to allow this grace in my life to allow me to help and overcome things that I wouldn't otherwise deal with. And that is, that is a joy to know that God loves us that much, to deal with things, not just again, translate us to some place, some other time in the future to heaven, right? We will be glorified, but along the way, he will be glorified mm -hmm. as we are changing into his likeness, yeah. becoming humble. So there's this great, beautiful picture throughout the whole book of Philippians. So unity, whether we know the disagreement or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. We know the goal. Yeah, yeah. is unity. Yep. And then you get to these two very, you know, connected, the don't be anxious, do set your mind mm -hmm. on these things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of a don't do this, replace it with right. this kind of a thing. I would imagine that um, digging into such a, you know, well-recognized passage, yeah. you know, don't don't be anxious about anything. Mm -hmm. um, and that sounds, when you first read that, especially today with the prevalence at which we talk about anxiety, we talk about um, talking to people about anxiety, yeah. mental health, those kinds of things. Um, I would imagine for most people when they first read that, who even would say, man, I hold the authority of scripture pretty high. They look at that as like, that's gotta be, you know, scriptural hyperbole of don't be anxious right. about anything. Right. How could I possibly, right? So how was kind of the process? I'm sure there was a lot culturally right now mm -hmm. to unpack going through that there. Yeah, for sure. I, I think there's, there's always this tension because... Um, like, and that was the tension for me 
I didn't want to minimize um, anxiety. Um, and, and I hope I did that justice where I didn't try to minimize it or make it trite. Like I, I don't understand all the physiological, that is the chemical and the hormonal and all of the stuff that comes with that. I mean, even I was talking to someone, even the food we eat, right, mm. is so degraded from and, and our digestive systems and the chemicals and the pesticides and everything like that make the absorption of the right minerals and everything so different these days. Mm. I don't know about all that stuff. I have experience through family members and other things. I know that some of that stuff can cause anxiety. But what I see in our culture is this willingness to say, well, because the symptoms are so hard to overcome, I don't really have to overcome the real issue. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Like yeah. symptomatics um, are something that we try to just cover up. Mm. And that's what, the, honestly, the um, the whole medical system, a lot of it's built upon dealing with symptoms not dealing with causes mm. and so that's kind of how i see this passage where where paul drops in a very significant and he, he doesn't have to say a lot yeah if he says the right thing right <laughs> to say yeah. boom you got a lot to deal with don't be anxious for anything mm. instead with all of these prayers and petitions with thanksgiving make your request known to god so there's this that encompasses a whole lot I'm yeah. sure, in their day as it does in our day. The Philippians were dealing with the pressures of social strata and who was positionally in the right places in the social structure of the ancient um, Greek world, right? The, the Roman, Greco-Roman yeah. world, which was very prestigious for some and for others it wasn't. Lydia with the purple cloth dealing in Philippi, there was this whole culture there that was, you've got to be known and, and be known kind of like our Instagram culture, mm. right? There's very similar things here. Yeah. So when he's throwing this idea in there about anxiety or anxiousness, it is a very large idea. But he still doesn't give him a pass. Yeah. Paul and even seems to reference that they're dealing with some sort of persecution correct. as well. Like, yep. I mean, yes. that's, no, that, that was a, that's real a whole thing. host of things to or be... Or one that was coming, yeah. right? He's preparing them for one that was coming. Because later we know in church history... There was a period of time, probably after this this was written, where persecution got very real very fast. Yeah. Um, and it was either proclaim Caesar as Lord or die. Yeah. Either proclaim Caesar as Lord or we will take your children and we will do harm to them in front of you. I mean, these were these were sick things happening in the name of making you submit under the lordship of Caesar. Mm. And Paul's telling them what? Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And you need to stick with that. Yeah. And so there was, yeah, I'm sure that was some of it. And Jackson, then in the face of that, point. be anxious yes, for nothing. Yes, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about it. Why? Because in whatever situation, whether in death or life, because he, he just finished talking about some of that, mm. whether I live or whether I die, yeah. it really doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I hope I live because it's better for you. But if I don't, it's better for me. And so he had all along been dealing with kind of the same things, right? He's he also dealt with his reputation. Bit. He dealt mm. with his reputation in chapter three. Yeah. I, you guys think you're righteous. I was more. I was better, but it was worthless. You know, yeah. he deals with all the things that anxiety would encompass, and he says, don't sidescape it because it's difficult. Don't try to work around it because there's physiological realities to it. That doesn't mean don't ig ignore those realities. Yeah. Try to figure out the cause, the root cause, but don't just gravitate towards it and be okay in it yeah and that it's was that one holy of the, discontentment yes right it's yeah. not to say 
it's, I mean, it would be the same with any single one of our sins, right? Like you put any repeated pattern, addictive struggle that somebody Mm -hmm. has with a sin or just something that keeps coming back because it's physiological, maybe it, it would be foolish for any of us to be like, well, just stop. Right. It's like, well, I would stop if I want, if I could, I would love to stop. Yeah. But it's at the same time, where is my discontentment level with this thing in my life to say, this doesn't fit God's design. So I'm going to continue to pursue my further sanctification in this area, my further conforming to his image, to have his mindset, which was not anxious, which was not worried, but had this great confidence Mm -hmm. in the uh, authority and the power of the Father to work all things together in the right timing. And Jesus wasn't tripping about that. Right, and that's why he he says, you know, go to God with it with the prayers and petitions and, and with thanksgiving, because it seems to be this connection between, um, he's not going to give you a one, two, three step, but he does give you a lot of ways to think, right? Those yeah. kind of eight things. But he's saying, look, when you have this connection uh, to this newfound citizenship, that you are in God's kingdom and you have this access to your king and your king is more powerful than any king on earth, then you can have direct communication with him. And in so doing that, your anxiety will be handled. Mm. Does that mean it will be gone? No, probably not, at least not quickly. Yeah. Because you need to wrestle through that. We, we Even thinking through, like we can go back to where's another occasion. Did we ever see Jesus anxious about something? I don't think we ever saw Jesus anxious about something because that would be wrong. But did we see him concerned about what he would get in? When it was going to be dealing with, absolutely, yeah, in the garden, Gethsemane, exactly. So he was dealing with, you know, even to the point of um, his sweat pouring off him like like drops of blood. Yeah, and some have said that that was actually blood mixed into his sweat. I don't really know the ins and outs of that, but what I'm saying is, he was. All we know is we've never been that worried. (laughs) Yeah, I've never been that worried. But he was in turmoil. But yeah, this was this was not. What's fascinating about it is we we sit on that and go, okay, see, Jesus was in turmoil, and he he, he acted anxiously. Okay, he acted for the next day or what was even going to happen that evening. He acted appropriately for that. Mm. Did he not know he was going to suffer and die this way since he was young? Yeah. No, he knew. Yeah, he could have been had, sweating blood the whole time. He had foretold this, that yeah. he would die even in this way, that he would die and then raise again a few days later. Did he know how he would die? We absolutely believe he did. Yeah. He could read Isaiah, and he knew, and he was surrounded by crucifixion all his life, probably growing up. He saw Rome, exercising Rome's, don't cross Rome, or this is what happens. It was yeah. an object lesson to everyone. And... He knew it was coming, but he didn't struggle yeah. till the very time when it was going to come, right? Because there is a real visceral reality to the fact that I am going to be beaten, I am going to be spit upon, I am going to be laughed at and yeah. degraded and stripped and then nailed to a piece of wood and hung for everyone to see as I suffocate and die. Yeah. There's a point you where... You can't help but react to that. Yes, there's... Yeah. but. It wasn't this long, prolonged, constant dwelling upon... You even think, though, too, about how well that reality fits with Jesus' teaching on anxiety. Right. He says, don't be anxious, 
today has its own troubles, yes. right? So right. even there, I find that to be such a fascinating one because you see Jesus interact with any other sin, right? It's right. so harsh. It's cut off your hand, gouge, gouge out, out your, your eye, eye, right? Yeah. Like that whole thing. But this is, man, I know there's a lot to be worried about. Worry about today. Yeah. Don't worry about anything yep. other than today. And that is like such a, you look at how mental health professionals would ask us to like operate within our anxiety. It's actually like an incredibly healthy space for us right. to live in. We, we would be super weird and psychotic on the other side to say, I'm not worried about anything. And Correct. it's like crazy yeah. things are happening no, today. right. That it's doesn't like make any there's sense. There's things to worry about today. And concern isn't worry. Yeah. Concern or vigilance is normative and it's actually helpful yeah right if i have if if i'm walking down bear valley road with a three-year-old kid i am vigilant yeah if i go into my house and sit on my couch with that same three-year-old kid and i'm reading a book and i'm still feeling the same vigilance like i need to calm it down right because so there is situations and there's circumstances where vigilance is important. And that's why I like Mike's definition, vigilance on overdrive is where it gets out of hand. Yeah. Where you're starting to presume that it's going to be like this, even though I don't know what it's going to be like. So because I think it might be like this, I've, I'm got to gearing keep, up. I've got to keep worrying about it until it's not like this. Yeah. And that is one of those spaces where you start to inadvertently try to usurp control over something that you legitimately cannot have control over. Yeah. And, that and that's ex- where it moves out of today yes. into that endless abyss of what ifs in the future. Right. And that's, that's where it ex- expresses a little and what if that. lack of faith. Yeah. Because it, it's faith is trusting God to be God and acknowledging that I am not able. And, yeah. so, you know, so there's that, there's that tension. But, and that's why, honestly, I tried to, include that this is not this is not lost on me i've dealt with some of these things when i was younger when i was extremely frustrated with my faith yeah where i was but i can also say that in those times where i was dealing with um whether you call it anxiety depression worry frustration all of those kind of wrapped up in one right um and some could say well that yeah that was hormonally related that was um, rebellion. That was all kinds of stuff. I was, I was a young man and a lot of things were going on in my, in my heart and mind and my physiology at that time. Regardless, that doesn't excuse the fact that it wasn't okay. Yeah. And I needed to deal with it. But I can tell you at that time, there was a point where I actually liked being mm. depressed. Mm. I liked being in that space because it felt comfortable. It was more comfortable. Yes. Yeah, it was and, like a... And so, because it was a skewed way of looking at the world. So there's this comfortability that we get with things that are mm. wrong. Yeah. And that's Paul's challenge, right? Don't be comfortable with wrong things. Instead, think about Substitute right things. Substitute it with, yeah. Think about right things. And so I, I can say that while I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, I can say, man, I, I would... Um, even catch myself now, if I get into, you know, I tend to sometimes be cynical. Mm. That is have a very skeptical view of the world and the people around me. And I have to be careful to draw that back. You know what I mean? Intentionally, because it's like, no, don't, don't allow your skepticism to drown out your uh, joyful willingness to love others. Mm. Right. And, And I take purposeful, intentional action not to do that. Yeah. Instagram is a, um, is a horrible place for me. Yeah. 
And I'm not saying that's true for everyone, but for me, to see the way people present themselves and then to know some of the backstory and all of that, Mm. that causes my cynicism to shoot to the roof. And then I can't love people well. So I choose to disengage from that. And others might presume, whatever they presume about why I disengage from it, that's no matter to me. Because my goal is not to please others. My goal is to please God. And my cynicism is a thing that I really have to push down. Yeah. And, there's, and you have to hedge There's certain real ways action to do that. Yeah, yeah. There's real ways to do that. And, and so doing that with that discipline helps me to approach you without any presumptions. Yeah. And, and then I can love well mm. because I'm not actually having to beat down this cynical attitude yeah. that I'm naturally given over to propensity towards. But I can't just say, well, that's who I am. That's how I am. Oh, well. I got to say, Lord, renovate in me and help me guard mm. my heart with your peace, yeah. which means don't engage some stuff that isn't helpful. Yeah. Engage other stuff that is very helpful. And what a so, great encouragement to any brothers and sisters that we have listening right now that would say, man, I am feeling so anxious and I'm going through it, to say, living things fight. Like that's yeah, what, right. when the Holy Spirit is active within you, you live with a level of discontentment towards those things Mm -hmm. to say, no, I'm not going to just accept that this is my reality and so I'm okay with it, but I'm actually going to pursue um, things that would better represent God in my life, whether that's, man, there's certain apps I just need to get off of. There's certain news cycles that aren't helpful for me to watch. There's certain, right, like you just go down the list there's just certain spaces, maybe even people that I hang out with, that it might be better for me to hang out with less because yeah. it just increases that level of anxiety or frustration in my life. And mm-hmm. so I need to go kind of figure myself out and then maybe revisit that. Mm-hmm. But I think being aware of our limitations, that is so key to following Christ because He's God's the one that's unlimited. I mm-hmm. am limited. Yep. I've got all kinds of things that I've got to say no to. Because even with all of the freedom that I have in Christ, I still can't handle those things appropriately. Yeah. And that's a me thing. That's yeah. not a, that's not, and, and that's, like you said, other people can. No, but and it's, that's I true can't. humility, right? Yeah. Because that's in a correct appraisal of yourself. That's what humility is. It's not thinking less of yourself or high of yourself. It's a correct appraisal. I, I know what I am, what I'm capable of. And so I appropriately have to, we all have to appropriately say, here's what I need to do to mitigate wrong things so that I'm not going chasing wrong things and actually pursuing right things, pursuing right thinking, Yeah, even as he laid out in verses eight and nine. Yeah. And let's get into that. He he gives us that list of, you know, and I think it's probably, if you're reading this devotionally, it's probably like cool thought, but I don't Mm -hmm. know that there's a thing that pops out to you in that either that you're like, so I'm going to walk away from this and I'm going to do... X, because when you start thinking about true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, Mm -hmm. excellence, worthy of praise, you start thinking about those things and you kind of get this hodgepodgey list in your head and they kind of are like Bible land words that are kind of hard for us to track. So how would you say practically we look at that, um, you know, kind of end of this passage and say, how do I, how do I begin to retool some of those things mm-hmm. naturally in my brain. I want to go this way towards skepticism, worry, fear, right. doubt, whatever it is. But I'm I'm beginning to retool some of my habits in my brain and I'm going towards yeah. things that are lovely, honorable, pure. How do I how do yeah, I begin I think doing verse that? nine really speaks to that because because Paul says 
right after he lists this. Yeah, you're right. It's just a list of virtues. Yeah. And we don't know whether it's a descending list or an ascending list or it's not. But meaning, is there one that stands is out our as priority? most important, like truth, yeah. right? Because it's the first one. Um, or is it is it something at the end, but anything excellent and praiseworthy kind of coupled up, right? Yeah. He, he couples Summarizes those. everything. Yeah, is that summarizing everything? We don't really know. But we can say that verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me. Mm. Now, there's three concepts there, and, and I didn't have time, and we don't necessarily have time today, but learned, received, and heard are not all way, ways of saying the same thing. Yeah, those are different. Yeah, they're different. And he's saying there's things that you've learned, you've already experienced, and, and you've, you've taken these on and imparted. This received word is more, um, we think the, the intent of the word is to convey the idea that it was received um, because I have given it to you because I have given it from God. Mm. Almost a revelation of God's will, right? Yeah. The receiving, almost like the receiving of Scripture. Mm. Not just receive like, oh, I gave you some stuff. No, this is the reception of the truth that is contained with what you've been taught and what you've learned. And then he talks about what you've heard. And what you've heard is both what we've taught, Paul saying, Paul and the, the fellow yeah. apostles and others that have taught what we've taught, but also you heard it, you understood it, you know now what to do. Mm. So then he goes on to say, put it into practice, mm. or you've seen in me, put it into practice. So there's this real thing of, okay, what is true? What is noble? What Go through the list, and that's why I think that hinge point is think, mm. think. Um, related to the word logic. It is related to kind of understanding how something works, to ponder and really get the gears on it. Mm. And that's why for Jackson, it's different than Brian on how we look at, oh, truth. Like, where does Jackson need to see truth as preeminent and coming above all things and rearrange his thought patterns to adjust to it? That's different than where Brian does. Yeah. Because we have different perspectives, experiences, and different things that we've dealt with, and, 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 and our brain works differently. Yeah. Um, I'm a circular thinker, right? So I think in circles. Mm. Some people are very linear in their thought. Yeah. And if they try to talk with me about how I work through something, it's kind of frustrating for them. Yeah. Because I think, you know, you ask me a question, and the answer is, 15, 20 minutes long. Yeah. Because there's not just one Because this answer. thing connects to that yes, thing. Yes, it's a yeah. very circular in my mind. That's just how I work um, in that attention. You know, I just kind of jump around like a squirrel, you know, <laughs> like yeah. wherever. But that's different for different people. And so we have to say, okay, he's saying put it into practice. And, and coupled with this thinking, that's why that last point was so important. We have to couple thinking with right action. Mm. Start to act. In accordance with what you've known. Think about it. Now act on yes, it as well. And act even before you think about it correctly. Yeah. Because in so doing, you will not throw, you know, piles of dung in front of yourself mm. to slip upon. That is sin. But instead, you will see that, oh, I'm not acting out in inappropriate ways. And so let me think about this and, and how this actually makes more sense. Mm. And so there's this cooperation of both um, acting out appropriately and thinking appropriately. Yeah. Thinking always determines actions. Yeah. So sometimes it seems counterintuitive to act appropriately because you've been so ingrained in a pattern of wrong thinking that what feels natural is the wrong way of doing things. Sure. So you have to um, think, 
and then purposely do the right thing and that action reinforces the right thinking if mm. that makes sense and so there's this you know constant you know cooperation and that's why it's so wonderful to have that great joy of having the holy spirit dwelling yeah. in us with us because because each one of us have a different way of looking at the world approaching it and different things that we deal with in our thought life yeah. that translate into wrong action yeah the holy spirit knows it all if we will take the time to think through and not fill ourselves with things that are actually pushing into the wrong ways of yeah. thinking and the wrong patterns of thought, but we're we're intentionally, logically, logizumai, we're, we're we're mathematically saying this doesn't add up to this, so I won't do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is a discipline, but it has to be coupled with action. Yeah. And, and the cooperation of the two, I think, is something that we've got away from a little bit in the Christian life. Yeah. Because we've gotten a lot away from discipline. Mm. And discipline is crucial to the Christian life. Discipline is is something that um, Jesus exemplified, even in the way he constantly was in prayer by himself. Mm -hmm. He was disciplined about that. Mm -hmm. He was disciplined with his disciples, and he taught them. And then even Paul was probably the most disciplined guy, because he was a Pharisee, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was probably more disciplined than we would ever know. Yeah. And that is such an important part of the, the disciplines of reading God's Word, of not, maybe not reading it, but listening to it. Yeah. You know, um, of, of trying to take the time to understand, of even the discipline of caring for someone else. Yeah. So important, whether you live by yourself or whether you live with a family. Find ways to care for others, because in so doing, you'll be like Jesus. And that will help you love better. Yeah. So there's some action that goes with thinking, and thinking determines action. But you've got a couple of the both. Yeah. Or really, I mean, you're just you're you're a great source of thoughts. Yeah. But you're not really understanding. But you're a hypocrite. Yeah. You're yeah. not understanding the intent. Yeah. And then you get into James, man. I'm not even living it. Right. Even demons think well about yes. God. Right. Yeah. They that's, shudder. Yeah. That doesn't right. do me any good. Yep. Yeah. I think that's such a good thing in our faith to see that Paul's pairing this thinking correctly also acting in mm -hmm. unison with that. And I even love the anxiety portion before, stop doing this. And for so many of us in our faith, that's where we stop, right. is like, don't do bad things. Yeah. But then it's like, no, 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 but you, also yeah. replace it with these things. Because uh -huh. if you don't, you're just gonna go right back to doing that's the things. If you're just like, stop, 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 that, yeah. that's no good, like that's yeah. not gonna help you at all. You need to stop doing these things because they're not productive for your walk with God. They don't represent him well. Right. And then you need to replace it with these things because these things actually bring you back to him. Mm -hmm. They help your mind dwell upon him and then live in accordance with his will. And that becomes a cycle that we get in. Right. Just the same way that anxiety can really get out of control really yep. quickly and pull us very far away from right. God, just the same, man, this focusing, this thinking on these things and then beginning to act in that way, it just pulls us closer and closer to God because it keeps our mind and our actions in unison there yeah. um, with the identity that we've already been given in Christ. Right, right. And, and anxiety, it's just, I mean, kind of as we wrap up, but anxiety is one of those things where it is, it, 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 is, it feels uncontrollable. Mm. It can onset, come on, like that and then it feels like you can't stop it and that's why i think it is so important that we we understand you know paul he doesn't direct to do this yeah he simply says pray yeah right he simply calls you to instead of that 
then with thanksgiving, direct yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. Pour out your heart to God. Pour out your fears, your anxieties, your depressive thoughts, whatever it is. You go to him with that. There's not a quick and easy fix, mm. but there is a place to there's go. There's discipline. Yeah, yeah, there's a place to go. And so instead of mitigating the symptom, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Yeah. It's, Lord, I want to know you and have you reframe my thinking. I need the full renovation of yeah, my mind. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that is the difference. And so the call is is not that you'll never have those things again and then you start to get anxious when you do have them because you're doing it wrong. And, you know, like yeah. that cycle. No, draw yourself to prayer. Draw yourself to him and, and pray and understand what that looks like. You're not praying to impress God. You're praying to open a conversation with the truth that you've learned. Mm that you've heard and that you've seen in others, you know, even yeah. as Paul said in verse 9. And so we want we want to always be turning to him with our cares rather than trying to mitigate the symptoms uh, caused by anxiety. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Brian. Thanks yeah. for taking the time. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I hope it's been a helpful episode for you. Uh, there as well, as always, don't forget to like the video, um, maybe leave a comment there letting us know maybe some questions or a tangible takeaway you've got coming away from this weekend's message. Uh, and don't forget, maybe share it with a friend as well who might be dealing with some of these things. Uh, but that's all we've got for this week on Tangible Takeaways. We'll catch you guys next week.